I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Hello and welcome to your favorite health and fitness podcast on the internet. It's the Weight Loss Podcast. I am Matt. As always, with me is my co-host, or is it the host, Courtney? <laughs> One of those two things. Hello, yes. the host, Courtney. How are you going? I'm good, thank you. So we are going to have a discussion in this episode about a topic that we know affects... Well, if it doesn't affect you, I think we'd be surprised. It has affected us. It has affected a large percentage of people that we have worked with in our careers. And I go as far as saying, I think it really affects an overwhelming majority of people who want to lose weight. And that topic is self-doubt. Yes. Self-doubt, I know, has affected me uh, through a number of points in my life, which we'll get into through the episode. Courtney, I'm sure it has affected you. Yeah, absolutely. Or just the part where you tell everyone how awesome you are <laughs> and that it's all been easy for you. Yeah, yeah, that's... I could just do that, but then it would be a really short podcast, so... Isn't that the assumption, though? You're a PT and you've lost weight, so it must have come easy to you? Yeah, it's always it's always the... Um, sounds good in theory. And you knew how it would go right from the outset and you had no doubts? 100%. Okay, so enough bullshitting. Hmm. This is indeed a topic that we think, and we, not we think, we know, this affects most people. If this doesn't affect you, I kind of would be surprised. So let's just get this out of the way. Yes, it is a major topic. Yes. And a major hurdle for a large number of people who wish to lose weight, improve their body shape, improve their health, and change their life. Yeah. In my experience it really tends to be a contributing factor towards self-sabotage. 100%. You'd agree with that? Oh, yeah. It can definitely lead to that. Yeah? Yeah, for sure. So I, having worked with quite a number of people now through my career, it's very common, I think, to, to have self-doubt. Often because you don't know, like you're doing something you haven't done before. Mm. So you're looking to achieve things you've never achieved and it... You, you can't see where you're going. Hmm. I mean, I think there's a lot of different areas in our lives that we experience self-doubt, um, but it it really is pronounced when, you know, you make the decision to start losing weight. And I think that for a lot of people, I think there's several different reasons, Matt. There's a lot of times for a lot of people this, this can come up. I think one of the big reasons is fear. Fear of looking silly. Fear of failing fear of fear of looking silly or fear of looking bad is a big deal yeah that affects a big number of people yeah so many people and 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 it's not just at the start either some people develop that fear as they're going along like a lot of these things as well people just think oh self-doubt must be like at the start of your weight loss journey sort of a thing it's ongoing it it is ongoing and for some people at the start they don't experience any self-doubt at the start, they're like enthusiastic about getting started. They're ready. They 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 can't wait. 
Uh, they're so excited and then they get started and then something might happen that triggers it off. So as I said, fear can be a massive factor. Fear of failing, fear of looking bad, fear of what others might say or what others might think. All these sort of things can can be a big trigger for self-doubt. I think the there's another big trigger for self-doubt, Matt, which is um, the other just other people's opinions in, in general. So they might say something to you which then leads you to start questioning what you're doing, why you're doing it, should you be doing it? Am I doing it the right way? Am I doing it the right way? All of these sort of questions will come up for some reason and then that just can lead to a spiraling self-doubt attitude. Noise is very good as a contributor to self-doubt. Noise that you get from friends and family members where you might be beginning your weight loss journey and you're starting to make a few uh, habitual slash lifestyle changes. So you're going to the gym, uh, you might have started a structured weight training program, you might be working on changing uh, your eating habits and that's when you'll occasionally get the questions. Oh, oh, Courtney, why are you lifting weights? Aren't they for the males? Won't they make you bulky? Or Courtney, why are you eating all the time? Mm. Oh, are you on a diet? Are you allowed to eat this or not allowed to eat this? Yeah. And it can be very easy to doubt what you're doing because you then, I suppose, you're afraid of being judged by others. Yeah, 100%. So, and I think a lot of that, you know, ties back into fear as well. So mm. I think, you know, when you're in a sort of situation where you've decided to make the change to lose weight, is it can be quite a vulnerable situation to be in and the very slight... Um, even thought that somebody is judging you or somebody said something that you've taken it in a way that feels very judgmental, Mm. it can really start to derail your thinking about the whole thing. Well, undermines what you're doing. And I also think another factor that contributes a lot to self-doubt is you're not seeing the results you want to see in the time you expected to see them. Yes, expectations. Yeah, so this is where you will see a lot of people that will jump from one thing to the next, always looking for the next best thing mm. because they're looking to get some sort of tangible result in some sort of time frame, often unrealistic time frames, I must, add, I must add to that. But when it doesn't occur, that's when the doubt comes into it. I also think uh, comparing yourself to others is uh, another big factor that contributes to self-doubt because you might be doing what you've been doing and all of a sudden you're looking at what someone else is doing and it's like, well, hang on, why are they changing and I'm not? Mm. And very often with people in this sort of a circumstance, because it's such a raw emotional issue, they're not going to step back and look at the context of it, of if you're comparing yourself to someone else and you're doubting what you're doing, you're not thinking about the potential differences of the two people you're comparing here. So let's say you're comparing yourself to a female that's losing weight faster than you. You're not thinking about is she older? Is she younger? Has she been doing this longer than me? Uh, do we have differences in how long we've been struggling with this for? Because, for example, there is going to be a difference if you've been metabolically abusing your body for 20 years, there's going to be a difference in how fast your results are versus someone that's been, you know, only been sort of not taking care of themselves for the last three years, mm. which means there's a bit of an age gap there as well. So that can, there's a number of different factors. Yes. You know, it, there's, I, I don't really see that many apples to apples comparisons mm. with that. But point I'm getting at is that also leads to self-doubt. 
And that's where I think you can go down that sort of spiral of, well, it's what this person's doing is working for them. I'm not getting the same results in this amount of time. What I'm doing must be wrong. Mm. And then you quit what you're doing. You jump ship to the next, the next program and oh, it's the same shit all over again. And this is where I see a lot of people go around in circles yeah. for years on end, going around in circles, always looking for the next best thing. And quite often what triggers that is something that's occurred that leads them to doubt themselves and what they're doing. I think the other, another really big factor here is you just, you just don't think you can do it because you've never done it before. And that's understandable. Yes. Because if you have had weight battles for many, many years and you're looking to turn those around, as you and I both can attest to, Courtney, when you're doing something you've never done before, it is hard. Very. Because you are really diving into the unknown. Yeah. Now, on that topic, Courtney, can you give any sort of personal examples of how self-doubt has come up with you along the way? Yeah, I think along along my way have just definitely been, uh, definitely the expectations has been a big one for me. In terms of? So looking at my results and expecting that I should have done more. And so or that- should have accomplished more. Should have accomplished more, should have lost more weight, should, should have, um, my body should be changing more. Um, As just, in, you mean it's like it's not happening fast enough? Yes, correct. Yeah. So I've definitely experienced that along the way more than once. So I think that that's also the thing that a lot of people don't understand about self-doubt is they think just because you experience it once and overcome it, then that's it. Uh, And it's not the case. (laughs) No, it is not the case. The same self-doubt will come back again quite often in many situations. Well, it can also come up as you push yourself into new territory, which I'll touch on myself in a sec. Yeah. So definitely the self-doubt relating to it's not having happening quick enough or, or expectations on myself have has, has come up for me several times in the, in the past, what, five years. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's been a big one for me. So once, and I, I think once you start to feel that, that self-doubt um, on what you've done compared to what you think you should have done, then it, you do start to question what you're doing and you do start to say, because no one wants to admit that it's their fault, that their expectations are off. So it's easier to blame the system than the person. So it's easier to say, oh, well, it just doesn't work. I believe, no, no. The line is, oh, it just doesn't work for me. Yes. That's what I hear the most from people who actually haven't done the work themselves. Yes. So it's 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 very easy to then start to, to doubt the whole thing and to start to say, it doesn't work, this happened, this happened, no, you know, it's just not for me. So I've definitely experienced self-doubt in terms of expectations and things not happening fast enough. Did you have that at the start when you, when you and I first met? No. Okay. When, when did you notice sort of, when was your first, when can you remember this first coming up? Probably towards um, like getting towards working with you for like a year okay because I think the first half of the year that first year that I had was really good and I was seeing results and they they were actually going above my expectations um so I was really really happy but then I plateaued off and then the last the second half of that first year we were working together that 
I did plateau off and that's where the self-doubt started to creep in. What were you thinking at the time? Do you remember? It was mostly always whenever self-doubt around this sort of came up, it was always about, um, am I missing something? Um, you know, I'm missing, you know, that, that, that one key ingredient that's going to make this work for me, you know, um, it, it shouldn't be this hard. There should be, there's, there must be some sort of trick that I'm missing here sort of thing. You yeah, know? it was, I think it was, I forgot to prescribe to you your detox shake. <laughs> yes. I fucked up. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> so they were the self-doubts that would come in quite often. The, the more, more so when I first started, it was about fearing more so of um, fear of looking bad. Um, in what way? Well, I just fear looking silly in the gym because obviously everyone was looking at me. Mate, you um, look silly every day, so we're good. Well, now I obviously don't fear looking bad. This is just how I live my life. But <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, it was a big fear for me because I didn't have the same sort of confidence that I have now. So when you're low on confidence, yeah, it's very common to fear looking bad, um, especially in front of strangers. That's a really good point, you know, that um, being low on confidence can really contribute to this i'm glad you said that. oh yeah being long confidence contribute a lot to self-doubt because being long confidence means that you fear a lot more things um you're also easily set off and you're yeah you're very vulnerable you're in a very vulnerable state as i mentioned earlier um so when you're very when you're feeling very vulnerable it does feel like i mean i joke about it but at the time i did honestly feel like everyone in the gym was looking at me when i was working out and to say it now i think that's so stupid. Of course, they weren't looking at me. Well, they are but, now because you're but, outlisting so many males in the gym. <laughs> but at the time, I legitimately thought they were. It was a real fear of mine. All the eyes were on you. Yeah, yeah. of looking silly. And so um, then, then you know, I started to fear like what other people would think about what I was doing. So you know, I wouldn't tell people a lot of people what I was doing. Is that when you started with me as well? Yeah, like, all the way through. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So at the very start. When I, when I started with you, Matt, and we were working on nutrition and obviously working in, in the, gym. the gym, I would tell people I was working out, but I wouldn't really tell people what I was doing. Vague. Because I didn't want the judgment. I didn't want people to come at me with, oh, why are you doing that? You know? Um, why are you doing weights? You should be doing this instead. Why you know? are you eating food? There was, there's obviously a lot of opinions out there. So I didn't mm. tell very many, many people. I also uh, started to get self-doubt in terms of my job. I mean, I worked in hospitality. In and what way? Can you, do, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so as part of my job, I started to feel a little bit self-conscious and self-doubt because obviously um, it would not be unusual for me before I met you, Matt, to go through an entire 10-hour shift and not eat. And what, was your, what was your job eat then? eat like very small amount and then i would get home at like 1 a.m and then i would eat a lot and your job was in hospitality yep so i would be on my feet i'd be moving around a lot and sometimes we just get so busy i just wouldn't stop to eat i would just keep going um or i would eat but it was like very quick and it was just like whatever was i just grab a bread roll and you know put something on it quickly and just eat it and then keep going so um yeah, and then I'd get home at early hours in the morning and I'd have toast or, you know, again, something that you'd hit wasn't, it. Yep. wasn't beneficial for me to eat or, you know, you'd stop and you'd get um, a cheeseburger from Macca's or... What sort of um, doubts were you having in relation to your work with that? 
it was more so about what people that I worked with would think, you know, because obviously in, in hospitality, that sort of, those sort of eating patterns, I think it's changing now, but back in, um, you know, 10 years ago, that was common. Everyone did that. No one really stopped to eat. No one, it, every, everyone I worked with just kept going and everyone did the same sort of thing as me. They'd eat when they got home. They would, uh, they would stop for takeaway food on the way home or something like that. I reckon that's more common now than you think. Yeah, it is, but at the time I feared the judgment if I stopped to eat. So I would feared what they would think of me, what the people I was working with would think of me if I was the one stopping to eat. Um, you know, not that, and, and it's funny because in the end, everything I've just mentioned, like, was found to be completely false. But, but at the time, it was a real genuine fear of mine, and I was very self conscious about it. And because it was a fear of mine, I was self-conscious about it, it does start to lead into the the internal debate you have in your head about, well, maybe I just won't do it, you know? Or maybe this sort of style of eating is just not for me. So maybe you, I'll just keep doing what I was doing. So you doubted that you could make the process work because you were afraid of being judged at work? Correct. Okay. You never told me that, so how do you get over it? Well, I... I uh, I think my want for change really sort of overshadowed the doubts that I had. Isn't it funny how that works? I know, amazing. So I never, I, even though I would think about it, I never actively sort of went through with, you know, not doing it or anything like that. I just did it. It was more so about I, the start I would use to uh, try to conceal the times that I would eat at work. So I would go out the back and I'd try to really quickly eat before anybody noticed and then I would just keep going back to work. And it's funny because it's not like I wasn't allowed to stop and eat. Like it's it's part of my work that we're allowed to take breaks. Legal, like, legal requirements, It's I not believe. like I wasn't allowed to do it. It just wasn't done by anybody else. So I think you start to build up in your mind that it's something you're not allowed to do even though you are allowed to do it. Um, so I started off doing that. I would take food with me to work that didn't need to be heated. So it was just like, I could really just quickly grab it out of the fridge and eat it. Um, so all those sort of tricks I used to use, but it got to the stage where I just sort of slowly didn't care as much about it. I became more and more comfortable with it. And then it got to the stage where it would get to a certain period of time in my shift and my you know, manager there or something would even turn to me and say, oh, isn't it time for you to eat now? So even though she didn't want to eat, but she knew that I, it was time for, I would usually eat about that time. And so even she got so, so used to my new routine that even she just knew it off by heart. And it got to the stage, I knew when she started making comments like that, that it wasn't a big deal and that I can just eat. And so I started obviously to relax a little bit more, but it was, um, I did try to conceal the times that I would eat at the start when I first started working. Did you have any self-doubts when it came to your bikini photo shoot? Oh, 100%. The whole way along. I'd tell self-doubts when Matt... Um, sort of brought up the suggestion. It was Matt's idea. Um, so good on you, bub. Um, so it was it was his idea, but when he brought it to me and said, oh, what about this for a goal? Because I knew we discussed it. And I knew I wanted to do something and we were trying to think of a really good goal to have. You had a, you had a breakdown yes. that day, I remember. Yes, and Matt, you came at me with this idea 
And then I was like, yeah, no, <laughs> that won't be happening. But, you know, then so I had self-doubt when the idea was raised. I had self-doubt booking in the photo shoot. I had self-doubt, you know, the whole way through the process. You know, I'm not going to be ready in time. Let's push the date back. Let's push the date back. I'm not going to be ready in time. Um, yeah, all the way up until the day, like the day of the photo shoot, I was still having self-doubt. Like, do I look okay in this? Do I look fat on this angle? Like... You know, it, it, the whole thing, you know, because it was, again, I think from fear, because it's something I'd never done before. And I think fear is such a powerful emotion. As soon as it creeps into your mind, it really convinces us of things that that in other in any other situation, our minds would just override that fear and say, nah, don't be stupid. But when you're dealing with stuff that you've never done before, you know, that, that fear can really take over. So I'd never put myself out there on social media like I did during that lead up to that photo shoot. That was very scary for me. I know I'm very much on social media now. Um, however, Matt and I have always discussed this, that if it wasn't for the people that we help by me putting myself out there on social media, I probably wouldn't do it. Actually, I know I wouldn't do it. I shouldn't even say I probably wouldn't do it. Would I, Matt? <laughs> probably not. Probably not. So it's a it's a comfort zone thing for me that took me a really long time to step out of because it just was not a comfortable place for me. I am obviously much more com- comfortable with it now, but at the time I was not comfortable with it. So, you know, that was a really big fear point for me um, to be putting myself out there on social media like that. I'd never worn a bikini since I was like eight years old to the beach, let alone get photographed in it and spread those photos all over social media. And they're on big posters in our gym and they're on our website and they're just everywhere. So when you've never done anything like that before and you're putting yourself out there for people to judge you, And at the end of the day, people do judge you. Like wherever you go, people are going to judge you. Um, We get it. That's just what people do. So I knew judgment was going to come for the good and the bad. So that, you know, that sort of fear, of course, is going to lead to self-doubt. And I had self-doubt throughout that whole process. Did you have any self-doubt when we decided that you were going to become a PT? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In what way? I didn't think that I would be good enough. I didn't think that I was going to be able to help anybody. I didn't think that I knew enough. I didn't think my knowledge base was strong enough. Um, I just... what In what way did you not think you were good enough? I didn't think that my knowledge was good enough. I didn't think that, obviously, your knowledge, Matt, is, is so much higher than mine. Are you I, sure about that? Well, only because you've had, what, a six-year head start on me. Mm. So when, of course, there's going to be a gap there when someone's got a six-year head start on you. So, you know, there is that gap there of of knowledge that, you know, I have done pretty well to catch up as far as I can, but there's always going to be that little gap of knowledge. So I was always fearful of, you know, looking silly. Uh, someone might ask me a question. I wouldn't know the answer. What do you do? And, you know, I say that now. And if someone said that to me, like if someone asked me a question, I don't know the answer, what do I do? I would just say to them, well, just find out. 
just tell them you don't know the answer and that you'll find out. I don't know, but I'll find out. But but at the time when you're in, as I said, when you're in the bubble of fear, those sort of common sense answers don't come to you in those moments. So it's really easy to say it now, but at the time, you know, they were really genuine fears for me. And then of course, again, as I said, there's a massive link between fear and that leading to self-doubt because when you start to fear things, that little voice in your mind starts to tell you, you're not good enough, you can't do it, don't even try, you'll look silly, you know, all those little um, fear trigger points for you will start to come back out. And as soon as those fear trigger points come back out, you start to doubt everything that you that you had planned to do. Because, mm. you know, it, 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 fear is not a nice feeling for us it's not something that you know we want to live in so as soon as it comes up you know your brain saying well just don't do that you know it's not comfortable for me I don't like it don't do it so it, it's been of course and the self-doubt comes in and just says you know are you sure you're doing the right thing here could you be doing something else right now so those sort of things along the way for me have been my main self-doubt trigger points um, through my journey um, Matt, do you want to now discuss, because otherwise I'll just take over this whole podcast. Do you want to now start discuss some of your main um, self-doubt points that have come up? Well, it's your show <laughs> and you're the star of the show. so I need a drink. Okay. Well, in that case, you have a bit of a drink. Uh, I've had self-doubt issues the entire way uh, and I don't think they're going to go away. I've just sort of learned how to deal with them. Mm. So I may as well take that from the top in terms of a, a chronological order of major times that I've had self-doubt. Yeah. The first one was when I first made the real serious decision to change. Mm. So I had my snap point and I knew I wanted to become the best version of me or to die trying. But obviously when you want to do something you haven't done before, you can't, you can't visualize what that is. No. Now, a lot of people beat themselves up because if you've got someone that's had weight problems their entire life and they want to change that, they often will feel bad because they can't visualize themselves being any different. You know what? That's normal because I couldn't either. Because you can't visualize what hasn't been done. So the best analogy I could give at the time was what, what gave me pause and gave me a little bit of doubt was that I just couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. All I knew was I was going to keep working until I got there, but I had no idea how long it would take, what would be involved, what would change. Like all I, all I knew was I didn't want to be the way I was. And it touches on what you said before, Courtney, with the desire to change overriding your doubt. Mm. Mine definitely did. My, I guess it comes back to, as we, we talk about so much, the reason why you do what you do. If you're wise and strong enough, things will get in the way. Yeah. That's just a fact. How many times have we seen that happen now? Yeah. You know, it, that's, that, that's, just, that's established fact. But when it's the other way around, and the reason why you're doing what you do is so powerful, it can and does beat self-doubt. Because the doubt doesn't go away. You just get better at pushing through it. So that's when it first came up for me was knowing I wanted to change, but not knowing what things would look like or how it would actually work. Mm. And that was hard because all I'd known for so many years was being heavily overweight, being extremely unhappy and extremely dissatisfied with life. That, that was normal to me. 
Then um, the next real one that hit me was when I decided to become a trainer. Mm. And it's the same thing that you said before, Courtney, that is very common with trainers, the self-doubt of, am I good enough to help people? Yeah. Do I know enough? Can I make a difference? Uh, and in my case as well, could I, could I be successful? So um, for yourself listening, the average uh, career life span of a personal trainer is six months. So you imagine here's me at the start going, well, I'm going to have a crack at this when the average PT career lifespan is six months. Mm. And that, you know, that's, I, I, I'm not going to lie, that goes through my head. Like, can I make this work long term when so many PTs come and go like a revolving door at a hotel? Yeah. Eight years later, turns out, yes, I can. But at the start, it's the usual thing. Do I know enough? Uh, am I good enough to help people? Can I mix it and, and hang, hang in the industry with you know, the real movers and shakers? And one thing I've learned, I, I think I didn't ask you this, Courtney, but I think you would probably agree with this. Having gone through this ourselves from a personal standpoint, that's the bulk of the knowledge you need yeah, to be a very good PT because textbook knowledge can be learned by anyone. It's not that hard to read a textbook to learn about proteins, carbs, fats, or how to do a proper bench press. Big effing deal, not too hard. A real sign of, of success, as I've learned, is having done it yourself. Mm. So, but at the time, I was shit scared. Yeah. But I was also doubtful and scared because I thought when I first became a trainer, I actually thought I would be judged negatively for my background. So contrary to what I've since learned, I thought that becoming a trainer and not having been fit, strong and healthy my whole life would work against me. I could not have been more wrong. Yeah. My actual personal background probably, not probably, definitely is the reason I had any chance of being successful. Yeah. Because if you don't have something that makes you stand out, you're just another trainer who's just selling workouts. And there's enough of them out there. So then after that, the next lot of self-doubt I had was when the idea from uh, my coach was put to me, I think, Matt, it's time for you to get your own gym. And I thought I wasn't ready for it. I'd been a successful PT for a number of years, uh, but I didn't think I could make a gym work. Mm. So I actually resisted going out and getting my own gym for quite a while until that choice was taken away from me. Long story for a different episode. <laughs> uh, but the doubt was there and the doubt was even further magnified as you'll remember, Courtney, when, when we first opened the gym and it was empty. Yes. Uh, a very scary thing indeed. But the doubt was there of, could I make this work or am I going to open a gym that's going to be pretty much dead on arrival? Yeah. And can I make this work long term? As it turns out, yeah, I can. Mm. Then the next step in, in for self-doubt for me was when uh, my coach suggested to me that I've, you know, because I've progressed so well in my career, I should actually be a mentor and coach other personal trainers and help them come along with their own business in getting better at helping their own clients and improving their own lives as well. 
And the first thing I thought was, fuck no. Mm. I've achieved nothing. I've done nothing. I'm no one. I'm not good enough. So I pushed back on that. And I resisted working with and helping other PTs for quite some time because I didn't think I had what it takes. Turns out I was wrong there as well. And then the same thing, similar sort of thing popped up when we decided to do this podcast, to launch this podcast. I had spoken to Courtney uh, a bit before we created this podcast because I had, I've been a massive podcast fan for about 14 years now. Um, back in the day when podcasts were first becoming a thing, you would download them onto your computer and then transfer them the MP3 file over to your MP3 player. This is in the day before smartphones, etc., or, or let alone before podcast streaming apps. You had to download the raw MP3 MP3 file, um, transfer it to your player, and away you go. But I I was all into it. I loved it, and I had this idea swirling in my head for some time. Oh, I, you know, I wouldn't mind doing a podcast because I just love the medium. Mm. And I remember. Um, I spoke to Courtney like, oh, I've got this idea for a podcast. Now, I haven't told many people this. The original idea was to do a podcast based around video games and health and fitness. Yes, my two, I my, remember. My two favorite things in life apart from my wife. Yes. You like that one? Yes. And uh, we, you and I had a chat. Courtney and I had a chat and decided, no, let's keep it focused and just make it about health and fitness and weight loss. Because ultimately, that's what we know the most, and ultimately, it's what will help more people. Just sitting there talking about video games, I mean, fun stuff, maybe not too helpful. Now, I remember when we made the decision, we came up with the name, we you know, we gone and, and bought the website domain, and I started getting actual coaching on how to do it. When I was starting to put the put the whole thing together, because one of my strengths is computers and IT. I, I learned that stuff very, very fast. So I was happy to take the responsibility of doing that sort of stuff for us. And I remember this time when I was sitting there just doing some design work uh, before this podcast launched, had this thought go through my head, why are you doing this? You're just a trainer. How can a trainer have a successful podcast about weight loss? And this was like the start of last year. So the doubt was there on, you know, the, the, I knew I wanted to do a podcast and I wanted us to do a podcast together. Could we actually make it work? Could we actually do a podcast that people gave a shit about and actually provided value and help people? Turns out, yes, we can. Yeah. But the doubt was there and I talked myself down because I was just a trainer. Those are the words I told myself. And the last example I want to give on self-doubt was as the podcast started to get bigger and our um, the people that we work with have become more international and interstate, the, doubt, the doubts I was starting to have was, am I able to help people no matter where they are in the world? Hmm. Can we do that? Can we help people anywhere in the world, especially given the, the, the strength that I had was being able to train people so effectively face-to-face. Because mm. as you, as Courtney will back me up on, I could just, I can look at someone doing a bench press and pick everything they do wrong in five seconds. It's not hard. I've been taught that. And I've done it for so long. It's it's automatic. 
but there is another skill entirely in being able to take that ability to teach someone when you're not looking at them face to face and you can't you can't touch them to manipulate them to give them technical cues so the doubt was there on for example could i sitting here at my in my house or on my phone help someone improve the way they exercise when their gym is in a different country yeah or a different state turns out yes i can and yes we can but the doubt was there and it was lingering in my head uh so one one of the sort of big takeaways that i've i've had over the years is that you aren't going to eliminate self-doubt you're just going to come across new things to doubt yourself about as you progress so all the examples i just gave were self-doubt struggles that i've had as i've improved so as i've said i think i've said this on a number of occasions and i'll keep repeating it as you make progress you don't get rid of problems or challenges or in this case self-doubt you just inherit new ones that come as a result of you improving yeah and in the case of what we're talking about with you know improving ourselves what we do for a living etc you get to the next level there come the doubts with you well the doubts come with you because you're pushing yourself into new levels of discomfort and new unknown areas so every single thing that I've had major self-doubts on personally have come when I've been attempting things I've never done before. Mm. We've made me realize this is how this affects all of us, no matter what it is, whether it's weight loss, relationships, career. So often the self-doubt comes when we're doing something we have not done before, which means we're leaving our comfort zone. Yes, the fear comes in. Yeah, and, and it can be fear of the unknown, as you said, Courtney, fear of failure, fear of looking bad, blah, blah, blah. Insert fear of whatever here. Yeah. But it so often comes when you're doing something you haven't done before. Now, I've learned that myself and I now accept that, which is why, for example, when we were about to launch the podcast and I had that thought, why are you doing this? You're just a trainer. I extinguished it very, very quickly because I knew this is part of the process. Yeah. I have to doubt myself because I'm doing something new and I'm pushing myself to a new level. That's okay. And that's okay. That's fine. Yes. So for you, it's more so become like a bit of a pattern. It's um, absolutely a pattern. And that you're sort of used to it now. Well, it's, it's every time you, you step out of your comfort zone to do something new, to take those steps forward. Of course, you're going to doubt it because you're, you're breaking new ground personally. Yeah. So, so to me, that's why um, I suppose we may as well use this as a, a segue into tips to, to deal with your self-doubt. Yes. This, this sort of segues into the first tip that I want to give is that it's normal. Mm. Self-doubt is normal. Most people, in whatever they're trying to do in life, and for the sake of this podcast, let's say losing weight and doing doing something really big for the first time in their life, it's normal. Yeah. If you haven't done it before and you can't see that light at the end of the tunnel, well, of course you're going to have doubt. Mm. I did. I do. Courtney did and Courtney does. Yes. Um, the overwhelming majority of our clients have self-doubt, and they should. Because you're trying something you have not done before. So I would say just understand it's normal and don't judge yourself for that. What's your first tip there, Courtney? My first tip I'm going to say is have perspective. So this one will come into it for those of you who have self-doubt along the way. 
So you've got to have perspective at the time of the self-doubt. So you've got to actually be able to stop and think to yourself. Like in, I'll use myself as an example, when I would have self-doubt related to uh, things not happening fast enough, um, which is a really common one. A lot of people have self-doubt around. So we'll use that as our example. It, in those in that situation, it's really easy to get caught up in it. The perspective has to come where you have to look at it. You have to take a step back and you have to look at it and really think to yourself, is it the system that isn't working for me at the moment or am I stuffing it? Am I contributing to this? Because the chances are the answer is yes. But in the moment of self-doubt, you're not going to admit that to yourself. So you need to be able to have some perspective to step back and to really look at it. And and then those sort of self-doubt emotions will start to fade away. Mm. What's your next one, Matt? Uh, the question, who do you have around you? Yeah, this so is a big one. It is. Uh, taking the discussion here to support network, your support network and who you choose to have around you is critical. Yes. Uh, I would say it's make or break. 100%. Because the, the, a bad support network can actually contribute to the self-doubt. Contribute to it. It does contribute to it. It is it holds the self-doubt. It holds you back. And then also just not having a support network doesn't help either because the support network, if they're not contributing or the, the cause of your self-doubt, they can be the save of it. They can actually save you from it. Having a great or support you, network. Or help you work through it. Yeah. Having a great support network can be someone that you turn to in those times. So it's really important to have a great yeah, so support network. I, I would say on the topic of support network, make sure you align yourself with people who have done what you want to do uh, and are going to lift you up rather than hold you down. So choose who is around you very, very carefully and a bit of sort of inside information. That's also why Courtney and I are very specific with who exactly we work with as clients. We only want to work with clients that we personally can relate to mm. because we know that we can support them better through things like this, moments of self-doubt and vice versa. If we if we work with people that we can relate to and they can relate to us, it's because we have walked the path they want to walk. Yes. So Courtney and I, you know, I, I would say we are in the very small percentage of trainers who aren't afraid to say no to people. We don't think we can actually help. No. So your support network, choose very, very, very carefully. It's make or break. Yeah, definitely. All right. My next one would be to not ignore self-doubt. So when self-doubt comes up, as we mentioned at the start of this episode, self-doubt can very easily turn to self-sabotage. So when you're getting feelings of self-doubt, you need to actually stop and address it about why it's come up is it fear? Are you afraid of something? Has someone said something to you that's put, you know, this self-doubt in your mind? You know, where has it come from? And so you need to be able to address it. So you need to be able to find the source and address the situation. Because if you do let it go, the self-doubt will just continue on, continue on, continue on. You'll get into a really negative state of mind. You'll have a really negative attitude towards what you're doing. You won't succeed at it anyway. And you'll actively start to sabotage your own results from as a result of it. So you really, really important to not ignore it and to actually 
focus in on where it's come from, why it's happening. And I'm not saying you need to do that because it's, you know, to avoid it ever happening again, because that's unrealistic. It probably will happen again. But just in that moment, you have to deal with it. Well said. Um, I think you've touched on it there in terms of the self-sabotage. How many times have we seen uh, someone's uh, self-doubt lead to inaction? 100%. It leads to inaction. So, you know, I'm so afraid of looking bad or I, I can't see the the light at the end of the tunnel, so I'm going to do nothing at all, which actually makes what you fear occur. A come, come true. It, it may, yeah, it brings it to reality, which leads to my next tip is have a crack. Just have a go. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't don't let your doubt be the reason you don't get what you want. Yeah. Use, and this is what this is where I can speak personally here. Uh, I use my doubt because I always have it. I use my doubt as fuel to take action, mm-hmm. not fuel to take inaction. So the things I doubt and the fears that come as a result of that doubt, I channel that in a way that makes me do what I need to do to avoid it happening. Because if I have, let's, let's take this podcast, for example. If I listened to the voice in my head that said, why are you doing this? You're just a trainer. We wouldn't be here doing this. Yeah. So I just went head on against it. Now, nah, fuck that. I'm going to have a crack anyway. Mm. So honestly, you will have your doubts. That's okay. Don't let them stop you. Yeah. Use them as fuel to take positive action. And I think just, I suppose, part B of this tip is talk about it. Mm. Talk to your support network about it and give voice to those doubts and those concerns because you might be surprised the support network you have and the people that, that you're working with on this might be able to give personal insight yeah, into this because I suppose this goes back to that fact or fiction episode, Courtney, that we did on, you know, I can do it by myself. Good luck with that. Yeah. We can't do it. We, we can't do things by ourselves. Talk to people about this because the longer, I think the longer you sit on it, the more those doubts build in your head and the bigger the fear becomes and there's a bigger chance of you taking no action. Yes. I've lost count of the amount of people that I've worked with where they haven't succeeded in their weight loss goals because they've let this doubt grow in their head while they've sat around and done nothing about it. And it gets to the point where it is such an obstacle that they can't take any, or that can't, won't, pick your word here, take the necessary steps forward to overcome it, talk about it, get it off your chest. Yep. And that is that. Beautiful. That, as they say, is that. That is a wrap. Well done out of you. Well done out of you. Let's uh, move on. to. We have an email to go through here. Yes, email. Podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com is where we really want you to email us. Yes. Although you can also message us through our Facebook page. Originally called The Weight Loss Podcast. Well, you would never have guessed that. I know, it's amazing. So we have a rather long email here, which I will condense to get to the uh, to the meat and veg of it. Yep. An email from Whitney. Thank you, Whitney. In Huntington Beach, California. Woohoo! All right. So thank you very much, Whitney. I um, like that. I like knowing where people are from. So when you send emails to us, please, yeah. Include where you're... Uh, Let us know where you're... Yeah, where, where you yeah, are where in the from. world. So she's from uh, California. Uh, and so uh, she spoke about our episode of habits being very helpful. 
Awesome. Um, now, here's where we get to the, the meat of this discussion. I know that you have heard every excuse under the sun, including this one. But how do you create habits and balance when your free time is so limited? My job requires a lot of focus, so I need adequate sleep. When I get home from work around 7 p.m., I only have three hours to work out, meal prep, do chores, run errands, or have a date with my husband who's only home Monday to Thursday. I play softball on Thursday nights, so it's really only Monday to Wednesday and weekends to myself. How do you develop habits when there is very little time to develop them? I am curious where my priorities should be. Courtney? Well, I would actually say that you've got plenty of time to develop a habit because you only got to do one at a time. Thank you so much. So I think, Whitney, the, the, the thing that's probably overwhelming you at the moment is that you're just trying to look at the whole picture um, and you're not breaking it up into parts. Trying to do too much at once. So you've got you to break it up into parts. So basically what you're telling us is that you've got Monday to Wednesday um, or on the weekends to go to the gym. So that's plenty of time. Pick two days. You might pick a Saturday morning so you don't have to use one of your nights and you want to spend um, most of your nights with your husband where possible. So you might pick a Saturday and a Monday night or a Tuesday night. Pick a Tuesday night straight from work, quick 40 minute workout, 45 minute workout home. And you might pick a Saturday. That's all you got to do to start off with to develop a habit. Pick two times for, for 45 minutes you can get to the gym. You've got your softball match, which is great. After that, you might look at the fact that you don't need to go home and food prep every night. That'll save you a heap of time. If you maybe plan ahead, maybe on Sundays, you might actually write a, a shopping list for yourself or a meal list for yourself for the week, the upcoming week. What are you going to have on these nights? Is there anything that you can prep ahead of time? So, to which the answer is yes. These are the sort of things that you can start to look at um, to start off with. And then you can just focus on one, maybe two things, and that's it. Just try to get good at those. And it's gonna, it might take you a while. Yeah, it might take you a while. Who cares? Just keep at it until it becomes like second nature. And it might take a little while to, to think about which days actually really suit you to go to the gym or which days really suits you to do like a really good meal prep for the upcoming week. There's no right or wrong as to which day and time to do it. It's just going to be to suit in with your life. So give it a go one week. It might not work out. You might look at it those and think, no, I really didn't like those days that I did that. Change them up the next week. Keep changing it up until you find what is going to work for you. Then keep doing it until it becomes a habit. I would also, like, you've pretty much hit a home run there, wife. Well done. Well said. The other thing I would add here is don't be afraid to ask your husband for help. Um, Whitney mentioned in the email that her husband, there's a curveball here in that her husband loves playing video games. By the way, that's no curveball. <laughs> that's marriage material. Um, but has no interest in healthy eating or an active lifestyle, which is a whole other issue. Yes, it is. However, I would recommend, even if um, hubby has no interest in this thing, ask for help. That's 
Like that's what you, you're, you're partners. Yeah. You're married. Yeah. So he doesn't have to have, you know, an interest in those things. But what husband wouldn't want to help his wife? So I personally think we have these people around us that are closest to us. Ask for help. I'm sure he can do some chopping of some food now and then. Yeah. When you're out running around. It's not that hard. Especially if he plays video games. You can dangle the video games over him as a carrot. Hey champ, you can go and play your Xbox or your PlayStation or whatever. Just get these three things done for me first. Yeah, well, I mean, especially as well, that's where your meal prep's going to come in really handy. If you do the shopping and it's already in the fridge, chopped, ready to go, just needs to be put in the oven or something like that, that's something that you could maybe get him to do while you're at the gym. So when you come home from the gym, food's already ready. Yeah, put the foot down, Whitney, and get some recruit some help from hubby on this one because you should not have to do this by yourself. Yeah, and don't think as well, just quickly, remember, you know, you're not going to the gym every day. We don't have to. You don't need to work out every day. Uh, and could I recommend referring back to our episodes on how to, uh, you know, how much exercise should I do? Yeah, we did one on both weights and cardio. Yep, I will look those up while you're talking there. So that, that's something to also keep in mind that in terms of when you're looking at your week, Monday to Thursday, you're trying to spend as much time at night's home as possible. You may not decide to work out any of those nights. Apart from Thursday night when you do your softball. Episodes number eight, which is exercise and weight loss, what's the best? Episode number 34, how much exercise should I do? And episodes 44 and 46 about weights and cardio. Listen to those. And dare I say, um, which I will just quickly do a search on here. Episode number 15 about support network in terms of recruiting your husband to help you because that is, to me, that's a no-brainer. That has to happen. Now, there's just a slight little postscript to this email, Courtney, that I have to mention because Mm -hmm. this is going to butter you up. (laughs) Um, Whitney complimented us on the name of our dog. Sir Winston Bernard Pugglesworth II. Yes. She said that's one of the greatest dog names ever because in college, it was her dream to have a Dachshund. A Dachshund. And, excuse me, the um, Cambridge University pronounces it Dachshund. Okay. I looked it up before we did this episode. I knew knew you'd come me with that, so I saw you coming, woman. Well, in Australia, we call them a Dachshund, I think. Anyway. Her dream was to name her dog Sir Bosley Bunzalot Yokoyama the Third. No. Oh my God. <laughs> How's that for a name? Sir Winston Pugglesworth the Second would be proud of that if we told him this. Yes. So she was she was a bit chuffed by our uh, our majestic name for a dog. That there, Bunzalot. That is uh, that's five stars. So anyway, uh, we digress. Thank you so much, Whitney, for your email. Yes. We're going to wrap this up. Podcast. Hope that helps. Well, and keep us updated with how you go with developing these new habits into your life. Well, and more than that, keep us updated, Whitney, with how you go with getting hubby on board to at least give you a bit of, we call it in Australia, a bit of a chop out. Yeah. To give you a bit of a chop out and, and give you some assistance just to, to take a bit of the burden off because this shouldn't be something you struggle through alone. No. So 
podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com is where we would like you to email us. Courtney, that's a wrap. That is a wrap. Good job out of you. Good job out of you. Hopefully this episode has helped. If not, well... Stop listening now. <laughs> In a word, yes. So have a good one and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Get more free tips, listen to previous episodes and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.